Hello and welcome to my latest podcast. I was really pleased this week to be invited to celebrate International Women's Day by talking about burnout with a group of organisations. I particularly focused on burnout at midlife women and this is what I'm going to cover in my podcast today. So let's start at the very beginning. What is burnout? Well, it's a state of physical, emotional and mental exhaustion that results from prolonged exposure to stresses. The World Health Organization has now classified it as a condition and describes it as chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. So how does it show up then? Well, some common signs of burnout include feeling exhausted, drained, tired all the time, feeling cynical or detached from work or relationships, a reduced sense of accomplishment or satisfaction, a loss of motivation, maybe some self-doubt, feeling easily overwhelmed, procrastinating a lot, feeling irritable, and maybe developing some physical symptoms like frequent headaches. The other thing people often find is that they can start to struggle with sleep. Now, when people are on the way to burnout or when they're burnt out, the other thing which often happens as well is people can start to develop some unhealthy habits to deal with some of the symptoms. So what I mean by that is doom scrolling. I can certainly relate to that. Um, Drinking more uh, alcohol, of course, maybe eating more comfort food or eating unhealthily. And some of these things, whilst they may seem like good short term coping mechanisms, can obviously lead to longer term physical and psychological issues. So how prevalent is burnout? Well, McKinsey and company carried out a study in 2021 and they found that women in the workplace faced such increased pressures during the pandemic that we became even more burned out than before it started. In fact, things have got so bad that the gap in burnout between men and women has almost doubled, with one in three women having considered leaving the workforce or downsizing their work in the last year. Research carried out by Westfield Health in 2022 found that 46% of workers were close to burnout. And actually, when I looked at that research, the other thing they said is that one uh, in four of the people that they spoke to felt that they were a, a week away from burnout. So it's pretty significant. So why is this an issue for midlife women? Well, midlife women aged 50 to 64 are the fastest growing economically active group in the UK. And of the 70% of women in employment, almost 4.5 million are in this age bracket. We also know that the research has shown that women in the workplace, as well as managing full-time jobs, sometimes big jobs by the time they get to midlife, they also have a disproportionate amount of work to do at home. And what I mean by that is the emotional and psychological labour of child raising. And particularly if you're a midlife woman who's maybe had your kids in your late 30s or even early 40s, you can get to that point where all sorts of things start to collide in life. So you've got child raising, school runs, childcare, the physical labour of running a household, including all the food, shopping, cooking, cleaning, bills, and just all that thinking stuff that has to be done. And midlife then adds layers to this, such as navigating menopause and maybe supporting ageing parents that might be starting to develop some, some issues alongside the pressures of bringing up kids while you may be at a peak in terms of your career success. But it's not just bringing up kids and having to think of all the things. It's also the wider context of being in organisations where there are increased pressures in terms of gender stereotyping often, 
office housework, which is doing all of the sort of whose birthday is it? Do I need to sort out cakes? Um, shall I organise the Christmas do? Do you want me to take the minutes? All of that stuff, otherwise known as non-promotable tasks. There's also the issue of lack of promotion opportunities sometimes, lack of organisational support and sex discrimination are, are things that we have to contend with as well. I think at the moment, 2023, so we're March 2023 and the pandemic sort of really kicked off um, in a, a UK context three years ago, obviously globally as well. But this time three years ago, I think we were just about in the foothills um, of the pandemic in terms of about to be locked down. It's three years on and I guess the question is, are we nearly there yet? Well, we're still sort of getting past it in a way. There's obviously the impact of long COVID. Um, lots of people are struggling with that. Repeated infections are still prevalent at the moment. And that means that the continuing sickness absence is still being felt across the system. In lots of the organisations that I work in, um, which is the, mainly the public sector, people obviously geared up in an emergency response style to deal with COVID when it first started, uh, as I say, three years ago. But what I'm hearing from lots of people now is those emergency responses sort of working at fever pitch, actually it's still going on. It's almost become the norm now that we are working at this pitch um, and we've never really stepped back. Um, and, and the other thing that's obviously become a norm much more is people are working at home a lot more uh, even now. Um, yes, there is some hybrid working going on in lots of organisations, but people are still working at home a lot more. And what people are reporting is that they are, at one time when you went to meetings, you might walk between meetings or even drive between meetings. Whereas now people literally sit in front of a screen and go back to back to back on team meetings, Teams meetings, because you can. So lots of issues with that. I think in terms of the public sector as well, again, in the UK context, there's lots of um, waiting lists in the NHS at the moment for routine operations. And that obviously has an impact because there might be people in your teams, yourself, um, that are impacted on that in terms of managing pain on a long-term basis. They might be supporting other family members that are managing pain or conditions that are awaiting operations. And that's obviously hugely stressful um, and emotionally difficult. There's an issue around access to social care in many places. So people who are fit or medically fit to leave hospitals sometimes can't because of a lack of access to social care. And that has knock on impacts for people as well. And the other thing, particularly for midlife women, I've heard more and more people talking about the HRT shortages that are going on um, over the last few months and how much that's been impacting on some people. I think the other thing I would say in terms of are we nearly, nearly there yet is that there's a real midlife brain drain going on. Lots of women in particular are post-pandemic making the decision that actually they're just going to do something less exhausting instead. And whilst that's good for them in terms of making those positive life choices for their system, and I'm thinking of the public sector, but generally across the, the, the system of public and third sector, this isn't great because midlife women leaving they take all that experience all those skills all that corporate memory all that knowledge away from the workforce and obviously they're not around to be role models for younger women um and, and putting that's put into one side the fact that it's hugely expensive and time consuming to replace people and that's if you can find people to replace people um once people leave so as much as possible we want to try and support midlife women to stay in the workplace and the last thing then, just on are we nearly there yet, is moral injury. So 
it was once a forces term, um, as you'll probably know, and now it's becoming a recognised issue within the public sector. And what I mean by moral injury is that sense of, I know what I've been trained to do, I know what the right job looks like for people, but I'm unable to do it because the system is preventing me. And I think about this in the context of um, paramedics, actually, that they know that someone might have waited a long time for them to turn up. Uh, They might be at home um, having waited a long time for them to turn up. And once they get to them and then transport them to hospital and do whatever treatment is required on the way, they then might be sat outside a hospital for three, four, five, six hours, even waiting in a hospital um, with the person not able to hand them over to hospital. And that prevents them obviously from getting back out there on the road and, and seeing other people. And it causes a lot of distress, a lot of stress, um, and it's really agonizing for people in those positions They know what the right job is that they want to do. They know what they were trained to do. They know what good looks like from a patient point of view, but they are literally prevented from doing it. And it causes, as the term says, a lot of moral injury. So a few things just to think about in terms of practical steps to address burnout. So on an individual level, um, one of the ways to start is prioritising self-care, which I know is a lot easier to say than do sometimes. What I mean by self-care in terms of preventing burnout is trying to get enough sleep. Um, Really think about your alcohol use. If you are drinking um, during the evening, it is going to affect your sleep, meaning that although you might fall asleep quicker, it will affect your deep sleep. So just think about things like that. Try and get enough quality sleep. Um, Eating a healthy diet. Um, is obviously important as much as you can exercising regularly and especially in the winter months making sure that you get outside and and see some daylight and feel the daylight on your eyes um, as well as um, getting that sunlight as well where you can even if it's winter sun will make you feel better Um, and obviously setting aside time for activities and people that bring joy and relaxation The other thing to think about is boundaries. Um, Set boundaries in your personal and professional life where you can. This can also help prevent burnout. And it may be things like setting limits on work hours, commitments, saying no to requests you don't have the time or energy for, obviously making time for the self-care activities I've already talked about. But it's things like where you might have, you may have to start in small ways. So I talked to lots of people, for example, who are part of professional WhatsApp groups Um, and they are 24 hours a day as in they're on your phone the personal phone often so you're always sort of slightly tuned into what's going on can you mute those groups at the weekend do you have to check your emails if you pop into the loo in the middle of the night do you need to just check in on your emails I'd say you probably don't to be honest unless you're on call so that type of thing are there small ways you can start to put some boundaries in the other thing to think about is developing a support network So can you gather a support network together or do you have one, friends, family, colleagues? It's really difficult when you start to get burnt out and exhausted that it's like, oh, I haven't got time for that. I haven't got time to see people. But it's really important to have people in your life who you can turn to for support and encouragement. And lastly, on individual steps, if you do think you're burnt out, and to be honest with you, often other people around you might see it more, um, not more than you, but might see it quicker than you do, It's important to seek professional help. So that might be talking to a coach. I would say that, wouldn't I? But talking to a coach, talking to a counsellor, maybe seeking support from a support group or consulting with a healthcare provider. But get some help if you feel like you're at that point of burnout. 
And if you are part of an organisation, then there are also steps that you can take um, and things to think about. So first one is to address workplace issues. So this might be thinking about the issues which affect lots of people, such as discrimination and bias. And those sorts of things can um, contribute towards burnout. So this might involve advocating for policy changes or organisational reforms that prioritise the well-being of employees. The other thing to think about um, is the importance of work-life balance. Organisations should prioritise creating a healthy work-life balance for employees. So flexible working hours, job sharing, hybrid working, but also healthy role modelling as well. Don't, there's lots of people who say, well, yeah, I've told my team that they need to switch off or they need to take a lunch break. But, you know, I don't do that because I'm too busy. Stop doing that. If you're going to tell other people to do things to keep themselves healthy and well, then you need to be a healthy role model as well as much as you can and challenge organisational um, norms about saying one thing and doing the other. Providing better wellbeing support is another thing organisations need to think about. So that might be training programmes, um, it might be access to coaching, counselling services, support groups, but making sure there's things that are available in the workplace to support people. Think about fostering a supportive workplace culture. So encouraging teamwork, recognising employees' contributions, providing opportunities for professional growth. I've already mentioned role modelling healthy behaviours, but think about how you can support midlife women um, in particular to work together as a group uh, to support each other. Um, think about how people can develop allyships across the organisation, maybe access to mentoring and things like that. And lastly, from an organisational point of view, think about how the organisation can advocate for policy changes that support better pay, work-life balance, and address the root causes of exhaustion. This can include lobbying for legislation that provides paid family leave and affordable childcare, but there's lots of other things that organisations can do as well. So in conclusion, um, preventing burnout in women requires a combination of practical steps, prioritising self-care, setting boundaries, addressing underlying workplace issues. It's really important for us to think about other people around us, recognise the signs of burnout and take action to prevent it from worsening either in ourselves or in other people that we might lead or manage within organisations. It's also important that organisations think about what more they can do to help women address this issue and how to keep the conversation going. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then find out more about the work that I do by visiting www.wildflowerfire.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Thank you.